0: Today we have a special speaker, many of you know Scott Hoffman. He is my friend, my neighbor, my brother in Christ, and he also serves with my husband and me on the board of His Safe Haven. That's a nonprofit that works with children who have special needs in Liberia, and that is one of the ministries that that tithe on the tithe I talked to you about helps to support. Scott's been a very active board member, as the vision of his safe haven was originally his wife, Christina's. So with that, I welcome Scott. Thank you, Val. I appreciate that. just want to start out uh, with uh, reading God's Word. And um, I wasn't aware of this, but when I read your mission statement, love God, love others, and make disciples, it's very fitting for what God laid in my heart. Um, So I want to turn, first of all, to Psalm 112, if you have your Bibles with me. Um, We'll also have it up on the screen in a little bit here, but I just want to read Psalms 112. which says, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who take great delight in his commands. And then also from God's word, in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 7, it reads, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and Pharisees together, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I heard once that there are more people alive today than whoever died. That's a pretty amazing statistic when you think about it. Did you know that seven point nine billion people live in this world today? And sadly, fifty seven million people die each year. And that's expected to grow over the next 80 years to the year 2100 to 120 million per year who pass away. That's a lot of people. How many of them do you think might go to their graves without being saved, without knowing the love that our Savior has for them, the love that we possibly Never show them. Good morning. My name is Scott Hoffman, as Val had mentioned, and I'm here today with my beautiful wife, Christina, and our son, Josiah, and his service dog, Moon. And I'm honored to get to speak to you today about something that God laid on my heart immediately after John Johnson asked me to speak uh, with you today. It's also something that God's been putting little pieces in front of me over, uh, on and off, over the last four weeks. And it's all wrapped up in Psalms 112. And I'm going to go ahead and put it up on the screen. So Psalm 112, verses 1, says, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord and take delight in his commands. This psalm goes on to outline a boatload of promises. It's promises to those who do and those who don't follow his commands. So let's take a look at some of these promises for those who follow his commands. Verse 2 if you look at that, indicates that your children will be mighty in the land and they will be blessed. In verses 3, their righteousness will endure forever. In verse 5, it says good will come to those who are generous. And 6, they will be remembered forever. In verse 7, outlines that they will fear no bad news in their hearts, and their hearts will be steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And in verse 8, their hearts are secure, having no fear, and they will look in triumph on their foes. But let's take a look at what the Scripture says, also in this same text, for those who don't follow his commands. Verse 10 says, The wicked will see and be vexed, gnashing their teeth and wasting away. Their longing will come to nothing. So let's go back to verse 1, where it talks about those who fear the Lord and take delight in his commands. What exactly are these commands that are being spoken about? So there are two parts. There are two parts when talking about his commands. The first part being the Old Testament law. And you know the ones, those are the Ten Commandments, which were received by Moses. And and God laid those um, Ten Commandments on Moses, on tablets of stone, if you recall. Then in the New Testament, which, which superseded, if you will, the Ten Commandments, God gave two new commandments and these are found in Matthew 22 verses 37 through 39, which I have up there. Love the, Lord with all, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in this story in Matthew, Jesus is asked which is the greatest command in the law. And Jesus boils it down to them and introduces these two commandments, which aren't really new. Jesus simply states that we are to love God and love people. That's your church's motto. That's Bethel's motto. And this, this command about loving God and loving people is repeated in John 13, verses 34 and 35, and also in 2 John, verses um, 1 through 5. So, if you listen to the radio in KTIS, you probably probably heard a song uh, by Danny Gokey, and it's Love God and Love People. And he says, keep it real simple in that song. Love God, love people. And Jesus outlines this in John 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are disciples if you love one another. And then in Second John 1, five, It says, Now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one that we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And Jesus goes on to say that all the law hangs on these two commands. I challenge you to try for yourself, if you have a Bible app on your phone or anything like that, Just search for the words, love one another, those three simple words, and love one another will be found all over the Bible. So what exactly does this love one another as yourself or love one another mean? We're gonna go through a lot of text here, but this is just a simple, small portion of what the Bible has to say about this topic, and the love that's spoken about mostly here in the text is really not spoken about as a feeling of love. Love is mentioned as a feeling most of the time in, in the Song of Solomon's. and of course, love isn't a feeling. Love is a feeling. But most of the references in the Bible, when you see the word love, one another, it's not talking about a loving feeling. It's talking about an action. Right? As a matter of fact, love is referred to an action so much and to the degree that you can almost substitute the word serve for the word love. For instance... God so served the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. Or this one, serve God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and serve your neighbor as you serve yourself. I took the liberty to substitute there, love and serve, but you can see where I'm coming from here. And to that point, As far as service, we sure do serve ourselves a lot, don't we? Think of all the ways just in the last week alone that we probably served ourselves. What did we buy for ourselves? Whose gas did we pay for? Who did we buy dinner for? Or whose rent or house payment did we make? So what does the Bible say about loving one another? Let's take a look. And we're going to go through a lot of scripture here. But that's great. I love scripture. 1 John 4, 19 and 20 says, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. And whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And we read John 13, 34 and 35 already. And then Romans 12, 10 and 13, 10 through 13 says, Be devoted to one another in love, and honor one another above yourselves, never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are need who are in need. Basically practice hospitality. In Ephesians four, verses two through six it says, be completely humble, and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you are called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And in Hebrews, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And 2 Corinthians thirteen eleven. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And lastly, Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Get rid of all bitterness, anger, or rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and passionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ God forgave you. So, why should we serve one another? And again, why should we love one another? I just swapped the words for serve. It brings out our identity. In John 13, 35, it says, By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, will be seen by others as loving people. For obedience... In 1 John 4:11 it says, "Dear friends, since God loved us, we also must, we also ought to love one another." And again, I think this is talking about serving. It's not talking about the feeling of love. And then for completeness, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It's also a sign of our salvation. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. And again, 1 John four, nineteen and 21 says, God loved us first, And whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. And whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he gave us this command again. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And it's also for our unity in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling, worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. And make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, and just as you are called to one hope when you are called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then it's our part. In Galatians 6, verses 2, it says, Carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And this has happened so much in church where we carry one another's burdens. That's the whole point of having a church community. And when I'm talking about church, I'm not talking about just Bethel, but all those that believe in Christ. We are part of his body. If a part is missing, if a part doesn't do their part, there's something missing in the body. So we should be willing to do our part just as Christ carried our burdens. He carried them all the way to the cross. So, who are to we? Who are we to love? Ouch. Our enemies. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, then turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt for them or from them, give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you lend to those is merciful and then in Matthew 5 43 and 48 the text says you have heard it says you have heard that it was said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I tell you love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you that your children, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And then we're to love our neighbors. Honor your father and mother, be respectful to your peers, and love your neighbor as yourself. So be the church that God wants us to be. Seek unity. Be a part of something bigger than yourself and stop dividing. So why do we love? For community. For being part of the body of Christ and to carry one another's burdens. To be the Christ that the world might see. Think about the fact that someone might never see Christ's love in action if they don't see love in and from you. Remember that earlier statistic? 57 million people pass away each year worldwide. I'm sure some of you have known or heard the story before of the little boy who's walking along on the beach grabbing a starfish Throwing it out. Grabbing a starfish. Throwing it back out to sea. Growing a starfish. Throwing it back out to sea. And yet another. Yet another. And yet another. And someone comes up to him and says, Little boy, what are you doing? He says, I'm throwing these starfish back into the sea so they can live. And the man asks him, What difference does it make? There's literally thousands and thousands of starfish on this beach. Picks up another one, looks at it, throws it out to sea. He said it makes a difference to that one. So in closing, um, I want to leave you with this because it's very appropriate in the fall as we approach the harvest season. All the farmers um, know this very well in the fall. But think about those farm fields, and I have saw several of them as I was driving around this week that have already been harvested. They're being harvested for silage right now because the, the crops aren't ready for picking for um, you know, corn and beans and things like that. But think about the fields that have been harvested. But then look at all the fields around us, I'm seeing one right there right now, that have yet to be harvested. All of those fields with crops are still standing, but pretty soon they'll be ready and ripe. So, as we walk through life, Not only are we to be planting the seeds by loving our neighbor, but we're also to be harvesters of souls. We are those that can complete the harvest. And I just want to end with this. A beautiful passage that a pastor that led me to my salvation many years ago. His wife sang in church so beautifully. And I've always loved the song that encompasses this passage. In Matthew 9 37 and 38, it says, He said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore. To send out workers into his harvest field. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, just thank you for the breath of life that you gave to each one of us this morning. Dear Lord, just waking up and drawing that first breath is not something that we're guaranteed. You know that the beginning of our life starts at a moment in time, and you've set the end of our life, that moment of time. And there's nothing that can change the fact that those two moments can and will happen. So we're just thankful for the breath of life you gave us today. That we can, we can live and serve our families. We can go beyond our families and serve our neighbors. We can go beyond our neighbors and serve those we don't even know yet just by random acts of kindness, just by loving one another, just by serving one another. Just thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to do this and to carry in our heart the love that Christ had for us where he served us by being nailed on the cross and dying for our sins. And if there's anyone, dear Lord, that has not yet said, Lord, my life is messed up. There's sin in my life, dear Lord, that nothing can take away except for the blood that you shed on the cross. Dear Lord, save me from that. And if you reach out to God and ask him that, he promises he will save you. Thank you.